This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair Lavora Barnes. Welcome back to Party on the Peninsulas. I'm Lavora Barnes. The word this week, freedom. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt laid out this nation's core principles 83 years ago in his 1941 State of the Union speech given even as a totalitarian dictator, Adolf Hitler, was assaulting democratic freedoms across Europe. The speech became known as the Four Freedoms Speech. First is freedom of speech and expression. Second is freedom of every person to worship God in his own way. The third is freedom from one, which means economic understanding, which will secure to every nation a healthy, peacetime life for its inhabitants. The fourth is freedom from fear. Freedom means the supremacy of human rights everywhere. All our support goes to those who struggle to gain those rights and keep them. Too often, we take freedom for granted. But it's under assault today by leaders of the Republican Party, including their likely presidential candidate. Republicans are attacking free speech by banning books, calling anyone who speaks out against them socialists or Marxists or communists, and rewriting history by banning the teaching of anything that makes them uncomfortable. They are attacking freedom of religion by demanding all of us live under their religious beliefs and by promoting discrimination against non-Christian faiths. They're attacking freedom from want by slashing the social safety net that guarantees basic subsistence, food and shelter and by demanding cuts in social security. Instead of attacking freedom from fear, they are promoting fear with claims of a crime epidemic, even when in fact, crime has been going down for the last two decades. They falsely claim that Democrats want to defund the police when it's Republicans who call for defunding the FBI. They add to the fear of devastating illnesses by opposing guaranteed access to health care and slashing Medicare. Republican leaders demand that government make medical decisions for women over the objections of the women and their doctors. They fight against free and fair elections with outrageous gerrymandering, voter purges targeting minorities and young people, limiting the number of polling places in Democratic-leaning locations, and seizing control of elections so that they are controlled by gerrymandered legislatures. They are doing everything in their power to guarantee that they, and they alone, control your life in perpetuity. Like Richard Nixon, Donald Trump has an enemies list. Trump has said publicly that he would order the Department of Justice and the FBI to indict and jail anyone who speaks out against him. That's what they do in Russia, North Korea, Iran, and China. It's what Stalin, Mussolini, and Hitler did to seize and hold on to power in the run-up to World War II. Democrats stand by FDR's Four Freedoms. That fact is mirrored by the record of our governor and legislature this year, a year in which dozens of bills have been signed into law advancing the four freedoms. Republicans fight against those freedoms. As Coretta Scott King has told us, freedom is never really won. You earn it and win it in every generation. We must never take our freedom for granted or we will lose it. 
In a few minutes, we'll update you on the efforts by your legislature in response to an issue plaguing all of us, the lack of reliable electricity for our homes and businesses. We'll be joined by Detroit Representative Helena Scott, who is leading the drive for utility reliability. But first, an update on some of the other stories on politics and policies we're following this week with MDP's Dorian Tyus. The state legislature wrapped up the fall session this week with a final burst of major legislation going to Governor Whitmer's desk. Among the new laws approved during the week, the Michigan House passed bills in the early hours of Thursday morning to enact financial disclosure requirements for public officials and political candidates. The bills require state lawmakers, attorney general, secretary of state, and candidates for those offices to disclose the source of any income or asset worth at least $1,000. Filers would also be required to disclose their spouse's occupation and employers, but not separately held assets. The Michigan Senate on Tuesday finalized Democratic abortion rights measures, a narrowly tailored version of the Reproductive Health Act and related bills passed the Senate in a series of party line votes over uniform opposition from Republicans and will now head to Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who had called for broader reforms. If she signs the bills as expected, the legislation will repeal a 2013 law that prohibits insurance companies from covering abortion unless customers pay extra for an optional rider. The state's so-called partial birth abortion ban that since 2011 had barred an abortion procedure typically used late in pregnancies and various regulations and building codes for abortion facilities that have been criticized for making it more difficult to open new clinics. 16-year-olds will be able to pre-register to vote under a bill that passed the House in June and the Senate last week, both along party lines, with Democrats voting for and Republicans voting against. Michigan already allows eligible people who are 17 and a half years old to register to vote in preparation for the first election in which they would be 18. Registered voters younger than 18 would also be able to participate in early in-person voting and absentee voting before an election as long as they will be 18 on election day. The leadership of the Michigan Republican Party is considering an attempt to sell the state GOP's former headquarters in a bid to alleviate hundreds of thousands of dollars in outstanding debts, according to two sources with direct knowledge of the internal discussions cited by the Detroit News. One problem with the idea. The party doesn't own the building. The downtown Lansing building in question is owned by a company controlled by a trust featuring former party chairs, and it appears, according to Ingham County records, that current Michigan GOP chairwoman Christina Caramo's team won't be able to force the property's sale on its own. Two Democratic members of the Michigan House of Representatives have been elected mayor of their hometowns. Representative Kevin Coleman is the new mayor of Westland, and Representative Lori Stone will lead Warren. The departure of the two lawmakers leaves the state house with a 54-54 partisan tie until the vacancies are filled early next year in special elections. Former Republican Congressman Peter Meyer has entered the crowded GOP race for the U.S. Senate with immediate loud attacks coming from other Republicans. The head of the National Republican Senatorial Committee said, quote, 
Peter Meyer isn't viable in a primary election, and there's worry that if Meyer were nominated, the base would not be enthused in the general election. The state Republican Party posted criticism of Meyer on X, noting Meyer had voted to impeach Donald Trump. Meyer now says he supports the criminally indicted former president's candidacy. Donald Trump says that if elected, he would use the FBI and Justice Department to attack his political opponents. In an interview with a Spanish language cable network, Trump said, quote, if I happen to be president and I see somebody who's doing well and beating me very badly, I say, go down and indict them. A primary election battle is shaping up in the 13th Congressional District. Former State Senator Adam Holier will challenge Congressman Sri Thanadar. Holier has already picked up endorsements from Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, former U.S. Representative Brenda Lawrence, Wayne County Executive Warren Evans, State House Speaker Joe Tate, former Governor Jim Blanchard, and a series of Democratic state senators, including Mallory McMorrow of Royal Oak, Erica Geis of Taylor, Sylvia Santana of Warrendale, Dana Polahenke of Livonia, and Sarah Anthony of Lansing, who chairs the Senate Appropriations Committee. Links to these stories and other articles of interest are on our website partyonthepeninsulas.com. From Michigan Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tias. Thank you, Dorian. A recent report by the Illinois-based Citizens Utility Board ranked all 50 states in the District of Columbia for utility reliability, affordability, and environmental responsibility using 2020 public data from the U.S. Energy Information Administration the Federal Environmental Protection Agency, and the U.S. Census Bureau. Michigan came in near the bottom. Our state is ranked 46 out of 51 states in rankings of affordability, reliability, and environmental responsibility. Leading the efforts to force our utilities to do better is Detroit State Representative Helena Scott, chair of the House Committee on Energy, Communications, and Technology. She talked about utility reliability with our Walt Sorg. Representative Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast on an issue that on its face doesn't sound all that exciting, but it's really critical to all our lives, and that's the reliability of the service we get from our major utilities. What have you been doing over the last year to lead up to the introduction of these bills? Thank you for asking. So in March, we held a hearing in the Energy Communications and Technology Committee. It was like a three and a half hour hearing where we really brought in the utilities. We brought in representatives from consumers and DTE and also constituents from the district and also around the state to really, for them to express their concerns as to the problem that DTE and consumers had been having with reliability due to the storm. We did have them come in and address it. And we also had constituents come in and talk about how their concerns were the fact that their energy is not reliable and they were really tired of it. And so from that hearing, I decided to formulate a task force, which were, consisted of cons legislators on both sides of the aisle that really represent my energy committee as well. And so also a couple outside of the energy committee. And we traveled across the state. We went to about seven locations all summer. We started in Lansing. 
We went to Detroit. We went to Marquette. We went to Grand Rapids. We went to Flint. We went to Benton Harbor and Ferndale. And what we found by going out on the listening tour is that not only were people in my district having concerns with reliability, resiliency, and affordability, but all, everybody across the state was really experiencing the same thing. And so that was really the point of it. I wanted to really make sure that everybody's voice was heard. About seven constituents had the opportunity to come up to Lansing in March. And from that idea, I said, you know what, Let, let's go across the state and listen to more constituents and hear their voices as well. When we talk about reliability of our utility service, it's more than just an inconvenience in a lot of cases. This can literally be a matter of life and death, depending on when we get the breakdowns. How serious is the problem in Michigan compared with other states? I do know that it's similar. I do know that a lot of other states do have more reliability. They have a bigger grid capability than Michigan. Since we started the tour over this summer, I do know that uh, DTE and consumers did raise the cap distributive generation. It was at 1%. And so now happy to say that it's at 10%. With the clean energy package that was introduced from the Senate and that was voted out in the House and also with my package, the grid is up to 10%. That is, that's the plan. I have lived near Michigan State University for a half century. And one thing I know is that the reliability on campus with the MSU owned and operated power plant is a lot higher than the surrounding big utilities, either uh, CMS or Detroit Edison. Is that the type of standard you think that Michigan can have statewide? That's definitely the goal. There are a lot of fun monies as far as funding coming down federally that really requires the grid to be at least 10%. So our goal, of course, is to get it higher than that. But there's a start right now with this legislation that's been passed that it, the plan is to have it definitely at 10. We would love to see it at 15. We would love to see it at 20. There are opportunities uh, for solar as far as funding coming down federally from Washington that require that the cap be at more than that, that be at, at least at 10 or more. So yes, we're looking for the capability and the capacity to be definitely at 10 or more. There are pockets of Michigan locations in Michigan that have municipally owned utilities or very small privately owned utilities. How do they stack up compared to the two big providers? So the municipally owned utility companies I hear are faring pretty well in certain communities. And I do believe that those communities are pleased with the service that they're having from discussions that I've had for, from some of the, the municipal utilities that have come in and spoken to us. As far as their faring, I think they're faring well in those communities. DTE, as we know, and also consumers are not, they're on a much bigger scale. You and your colleagues have introduced the four bill package in the House on this subject without getting too wonky. And I know this is a real wonky issue. What do they do? The purpose of my package is really putting people first. And that's really what it's called. It's putting people first, bill package, energy package. I have a bill, House Bill 5216. This bill would have the Michigan Public Service Commission establish performance-based rates, taking into account incentives and penalties for reliability and resiliency in our electric grid. 
The bill is also meant to give the Michigan Public Service Commission the necessary power to hold utilities accountable to the customers and our constituents for their prior bad performance. We know that Michigan is at the top five worst states of power reliability really since 2000, and we really have to change that. I do know that there are about 17 other states, including Washington, that have begun instituting similar measures for utility companies. So we want the MPSC to develop a study to look at multi-year rates that would help bring more stability to ratepayers rather than seeing bills go up every year. And we know that it takes a large investment to improve the grid for our state, but we need to make sure that we have those protections in place for our citizens. And we expect for DT and consumers to make those large investments. We have seen through our recent history with our roads that neglect over a matter of decades has led to the problem we've got with our roads. Is it a similar situation with the major utilities that they simply have failed to keep up with what needed to be done to improve their systems? Yeah, you're right. It's about infrastructure. We know that the investment really hasn't been made as much as it should have been. And we are really insisting with the, the package that's rolling out that those investments be made. And they really, it's, it's time for a change. It's, you know, citizens want to make sure that their electricity is reliable and affordable. And with this bill package, we're aiming to do that. I suppose on the positive side, we can at least look at what happened in Texas, where much of the state was shut down for a long time when they had the deep freeze uh, a couple of years ago. Michigan hasn't had anything quite that severe. So it's not just our problem. It's several states that are having a problem. That's correct. It is across the country, for sure. But we want to make sure as as we're moving into more renewables, we want to make sure that the grid can sustain that. We know that we have electric vehicles. We know that right now the grid has not been reliable. And we hope that with these package bills and funding and them making improvements as far as DT and consumers making improvements in their infrastructure, that it can become more reliable. In the recent election, the voters of Maine were asked to consider turning their utility services into public utilities statewide. Is that something your committee has looked at? We've heard from them for sure. And it's a possibility. I don't, I do know that there's a certain sector of people that are asking for that. So it's something we can definitely look into. I should point out in the referendum in Maine, the voters turned down that solution. Although Maine and Michigan are, are two different animals. The one thing we do have in common is winter can be mighty tough. You're absolutely right. We do have some harsh winners here, and we just want to make sure that the utility companies are prepared to make sure that we have reliable service. It's unfair that we have constituents that work all day. When they come home, when they flip that light on, they want to make sure that their service is reliable and affordable and dependable, no matter what time of year it is. Especially when the Lions are playing. We don't want our TVs to go out then. <laughs> Absolutely not, especially since they're winning. Absolutely. Representative Helena Scott from Detroit, thank you so much for the work you're doing on this really important issue. And thank you for joining us on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Have a great day. That's our report for this week. We thank Representative Helena Scott for joining us and for her tireless work on behalf of utility customers statewide. I'm Lavore Barnes, and I thank you for listening. We'll be back next week and hope you will be too. 
paid for by the Michigan Democratic Party, 606 Townsend, Lansing, Michigan, 48933.